0: Our guest today is the Wisconsin-based Frank Lassay, one of America's true warriors in the fight for truth. In his campaign against the unfounded idea that our emissions of carbon dioxide are causing a climate emergency, Frank meets with politicians, regularly appears on TV and radio, and has articles published in media across the political spectrum. Frank earned a Bachelor of Science in 1986 from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, majoring in humanistic studies. Frank has experience in real estate, insurance, and politics, a lot in politics. That's why he's great to have on for sure on this stuff. He was the Ledgeview Wisconsin Town Board Chair, and also he worked in the Wisconsin State Assembly and was a representative in the Wisconsin State Senate. Frank's website is called Truth in Energy and Climate, and the website, which we'll include a link to under the podcast, is truthinenergyandclimate.com. It's a great place to go to find basic information on nearly every imaginable topic in climate and energy. So welcome to the show, Frank. We're real happy to have you
2: on. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's great to talk with you and have all the listeners out there listen in. Thanks for listening, folks. I oh, want to sorry. give
1: you a blockbuster of a uh, question, uh, something that uh, bothers me. Uh, I've been battling the global warming climate change fraud since 1975, and it's difficult for me uh, to listen uh, to people that appear to have a reasonable reputation and and buy into the fraud. Uh, you've been added a little less time but You certainly threw yourself into the water. How do you maintain your energy in fighting clearly the worst fraud in the history of mankind?
2: You know, Jay, it certainly is a fraud and it's perpetuated on the public daily and this, the other side. And we're kind of a bunch of uh, Davids fighting a a giant climate Goliath or many of them because they are very well funded. They don't fight fair. And we have the leftist media that is regularly selling people a false narrative that You know, for instance, there's more tornadoes and hurricanes, uh, or there will be shortly. And in fact, the trends are in exactly the opposite direction. Virtually everything they're telling us bad is going to happen. The trend lines are all in the opposite direction. Um, And what I look at is is I believe that at some point uh, that people will start to wake up to this. And I think we're actually I'm I'm getting more optimistic because people don't want to pay for this there there's really polling is very consistent we have a third a third and a third at least here in the united states and canada might uh, i'm guessing uh be skewed more to the people who believe in in climate change and think it's an important issue um but about a third of americans are, are kind of the vehement greenies it's almost a religion to them i think they've given up god and have adopted climate as a religion and they they have a mistaken belief that we cannot have um that it won't impact our lives very much to somehow just replace all the fossil fuels with wind and solar. And we can do it in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years and everything will be just fine. And they, they can carry on their lives and enjoy new cell phones and hot and cold running water and warm showers and air conditioning and heat in the winter, all those things, which really aren't possible. or having a steady supply of food. And then you have a third of people who, who understand like we do that, or They may believe that there is man-made climate change, but God's in control or there's nothing we can do about it. But about a third of the people say it's a non-issue or it doesn't exist at all. And then we have the third in the middle. And for them, it's one of the bottom issues consistently on all polling. It's their last or second to the last issue all the time. Everything is more impressing. And when they get questioned, they say, yep, there's man-made climate change because they know that's the right answer. They're supposed to say that. And then they say, yeah, we should do something about it. The government should do something about it. Again, they know that's the right answer. And then when they're asked, do you want to pay for it? They say no. And how much would you pay for it? And about, you know, I don't know. It depends on the polling, but they'll pay maybe 10 or 20 dollars a month. But no more than that. They have no understanding. They're already paying hundreds of dollars a month through their taxes, their electric bill at the pump gas pump when they fill their car, already for all this climate change um, nonsense.
1: You've already earned your keep on this radio show, because that answer was absolutely awesome. And it will help me alleviate my daily frustration. Although my optimism brings me to believe the total failure of the Conference of Parties 26 in, uh, in Scotland, it's going to be kind of a, a turning point that more and more people are going to buy into the the other third you described that don't see it as a problem. And if it is, it's way down uh, the list. So I really think uh, we're turning. And, uh, of course, the election in Virginia, not to do with climate change, but other things, certainly bodes well for the uh, 2022 uh, election of the house of representatives that's going to be in charge of the amount of money you just described that everybody's paying already they're paying uh, hundreds thousands millions of dollars uh, on climate change although they say they don't want to spend more than $20 a month and when the house uh, gains control uh, on the, the republican side i think we're we're really going to see a sea change so uh, I'm really optimistic, but your answer was terrific.
2: Well, the other reason I'm really optimistic, Jay, is that that polling tells us that people don't want to pay for it. And really, everything we do we do or consume, the food we eat, watching Netflix, being right now on the computer with you guys um, using my cell phone, all takes energy. And you know, whether it's natural gas or it's coal energy, a lot of our electricity comes from coal or it's um, oil for our cars, or you know, a half of the barrel of oil gets turned into 6,000 other products. If we actually, if Biden and his administration and the Democrats are really successful in, in throttling back the supply of oil in this country, forcing us to buy foreign oil, prices are going to continue to rise and it gets baked into everything. So we have inflation on everything and that's going on right now. And Biden's policies are directly contributing to it. And people are waking up to this and they don't want to pay more and they don't want to pay more for their gas than they should. And having a policy of trying to constrict American produced and Canadian produced or delivered through pipelines, Canadian produced um, oil is, is a prescription for really high prices, shortages, and high inflation. And Biden is giving it to us right now. And he's gonna, he and his party are going to be punished for that. And it's wrongheaded. It's not good for the environment. And it's not good for, for regular families. And it's going to ultimately ship jobs to China and India and other nations in the world. And that's bad for American families.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada, but they recently approved one from Russia to Germany. Like, that's pretty crazy. I mean, what the heck is he thinking?
2: Well, it, it, well, that, it's like we just had them, um, you know, Biden and crew and Granholm, are, our energy secretary, saying, um, well, no, it's all about OPEC. Well, we we produce 16% of the nation's uh, or the world's oil, and we use about 20% of it. Just think if we could have oil independence, like we have natural gas independence, our country would be so much better off instead of sending hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars outside of our country to buy oil. We buy it right here. And the whole dynamic changed when we became energy independent because we actually are exporting natural gas now. We're the number one, the United States is the number one producer in the world. Russia is second and Iran is third. And we produce near not quite half, but a big chunk of the world's natural gas and growing. We just signed a big contract with, uh, I think it's coal and natural gas with China. They need energy desperately to continue growing their 1.4 billion people's um, lives and pro- progressing them. They understand it. And um it's it's amazing to me that people accept this Democrat and Biden's policy. You know, he claimed this wasn't going to happen and that he wasn't going to try to shut down fracking. He's already shut down a couple counties in Pennsylvania from fracking. They're now considering, they, they aren't doing it yet, but they're now considering closing pipeline number five in Michigan. And you know, pretending that these constrictions of oil supply, half of Wyoming oil leases they, the federal government put out for people to for companies to buy and then harvest and look for oil. Uh, half of them have been denied because they said they, they wanna take it off the market uh, to protect some grouse there. Now, you know the grouse suddenly got you know, got scarce there. They're doing this all over the place and this uh-huh. is gonna cause inflation and shortages.
0: Can I play the one minute and 54 seconds of Jennifer Granholm, actually the Secretary of Energy, what she said, how she reacted when she was asked how the U.S. would increase oil production? So I'd like to play that quickly.
2: What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America?
3: (laughs) That is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC, and they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. So, you know, the, the interesting thing is, you know, the Department of Energy has an energy information agency, and that agency does the forecasting of what oil and gas prices are going to be. As of uh, as of right now, their forecast for the beginning of December is that on average gas prices, gasoline prices will be about three dollars and five cents at the beginning of December. They will do an adjustment to that forecast in the next week or so. So we'll see if that holds. Mm -hmm. But um, clearly the Biden administration is very concerned about the price at the pump and certainly the price in people's wallets for natural gas as well for this winter, including, I would say, propane and heating oil, particularly right in the northeast.
2: What is the American solution if they're the bad guys Russian and OPEC at the global price of the market. We all understand the economics. What is the Biden plan to jumpstart energy production across America.
3: Here's the Biden plan. I'm here at Glasgow. The Biden plan is to diversify and to make sure that we move in a direction of clean energy where we're not reliant upon cartels and we're not reliant upon geopolitical adversaries who may be um, creating choke points for (laughs) our Mm -hmm. ability and our people to be able to access energy. So that's obviously a longer term strategy and we will continue. This is why this is called a transition. But if 80 plus dollars a barrel doesn't incentivize um, oil companies
1: Mm -hmm. to get off the sidelines, I'm not sure what will.
0: So what do you guys think of that?
1: (laughs) I find her uh, the ultimate leftist. That's part of the cabal in Washington whose goal is truly to to destroy the American economy as we have known it for decades and decades. And the reason was buried in her comments. Uh, The reason is they want control 100% of all the energy we develop and therefore the price we charge and ultimately to ration, our natural gas, our coal, our oil, Uh, it's all a power struggle. Uh, They hate this country. They're, They're leftist, Marxist, communist, and they have one more year to try and successfully destroy what our nation has built up in
0: over two centuries,
1: and they will not succeed.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing that as energy secretary, she burst out laughing when she was asked what the plan was to increase oil production. Surely that's surely Frank. That is like one of her main jobs.
2: Well, that that's how crazy and wrongheaded these people are. Is they're choking off, and she mentioned it at the end. That my ears picked up on the choke points that she talked about. They're choking off our American supply of oil. And then they go out and beg, beg. The the United States president begs OPEC multiple times to increase their supply and the Russians to uh, increase their supply as if they owe it to us or something. And they're, they're increasing their prices around the world, and, and they chose not to increase their supply. But her laughing in the face of Americans as they choke off American supply and trying to blame others outside of our country is just sad and wrong. And then to laugh like she did and not take this as serious as it is, these people should be thrown out on their ears. Um, and Jay, you brought up a really good point. I have heard some talk about, and Ultimately, this is where it's going. They want to be the micromanagers of our lives and and issue us carbon dioxide ration cards. Just like we have to have COVID cards in order to go someplace. And, you know, if we didn't wear masks, we'd probably forget that COVID is even out there. Um, But that's a whole other area of, of interesting contention. And again, it's very similar to the climate change, global warming thing because the public has been misinformed, they didn't want to do any type of adaptation and treatment. And in fact, people died because they didn't allow for any real treatment or even explore that or talk about it. But that whole thing is, is I think, a warm up to this control they want to do in the name of saving the world. And it's a false claim. But they want to issue, I think, at some point carbon dioxide ration cards. So we all get our monthly carbon amount, except for the elites, of course, the very famous, the very wealthy, and they'll be able to do what they want, but the rest of us will be on strict limits. And it might not start out that way. At first, they'll just issue a card so you can track how much it is. But eventually they'll get around to it because truly reality is, if we're gonna do net zero like they talk about, it means most of us can do darn near nothing that we do now. And give up your hot showers, give up air conditioning in the summer, give up heat in the winter, or really turn your thermostats up and down depending on the season. Mm-hmm. Frank and Tom,
1: I want our listeners to know none of this is going to happen. Uh, it's smoke and mirrors, it's sound and fury signifying nothing. Uh, they're, they're down to a year in office where they control the budget. Uh, In the House of Representatives, that is going to end.
2: Jay, I want to disagree a little bit because I think they have created a lot of fear for people of the left and in the middle. And we need to push back on that. And they should be more afraid of what these people will do if they can And right now the Congress after the 13 uh, Republicans, I think who are traitors who voted for the transportation bill of a trillion dollars or 1.1, with only $110 billion of what most Americans would think of as roads and bridges and projects, real transportation. So nine out of $10 were spent on other things that adds more than a moonshot. And they wanna spend $550 billion on green energy stuff in a slush fund. And that's two moonshots. We should be talking about sending a woman to Mars. No woman, by the way, has ever walked on the moon. We should send a woman to Mars and we should be colonizing the moon. We shouldn't be just spending a whole bunch of money on wind and solar.
1: I think our listeners need a shot of optimism and you're piling on more pessimism. And my argument is they're limited in how much they can ruin the country in the next 12 months. Uh, there's a limit to how much money they can spend, how much legislation uh, they can put in force. Sure, we want to be concerned and we want to push back. Uh, but I think it's important for our listeners not to be pessimistic. I think they're more likely to work on our behalf, telling their friends and neighbors that uh, they have been taken in by the biggest scam ever. But I'd you like know, I your want to... opinion.
2: I want to Go circle ahead. back because what you're saying is, is I want people to to do that. And, and you and I are looking at it from a different two different ways, but the same thing. Going back to how do I stay motivated when all this stuff is going on and we are fighting some really giant climate goliaths who don't fight fair and are very well funded? How do you stay motivated? The people in the middle are going to wake up. There's a common delusion going on now, and people wake up from it, from what I've studied, one by one, and we need to continue to plant the seeds. My call to action, usually I do that at the end, but I'll put it in here, and I'll probably reiterate it at the end, is do what Jay just talked about. Talk to your friends, neighbors, and others. You're never going to convince the indoctrinated, the lefties those crazy folks, the only time I ever engage them is when there's somebody in the middle who can hear it and will hear it. Because then what they normally do, and I know both of you have had this experience, when you start to press them with the facts, ask them real questions, give them facts. They get angry at you, they change the subject, call you names, get upset, and run away. They don't have any facts on their side. But the people in the middle need to hear this message. And you're saying be optimistic. I'm saying be optimistic and fearful because these people, if they can do it, they will do it. And we can get on to talking about China and and that problem. But I think there's a collusion behind the scenes um, between China and the Democrats with China wanting to control and rule the world, maybe not by invading us. But maybe having proxy behind the scenes, Democrats being our overlords to micromanage our lives to save the earth from this fake climate change.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now You speak about climate chicken little and the communist China red dragon in place of the red fox. So that sounds kind of like what you're just saying. Can you expand on that a bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think most people are familiar with the story of Chicken Little. She's out, she, you know, it's a barnyard story and I was just reading it to my my son, so I know it's still going on. They haven't canceled that. But now that we're talking about it, they might try. It, yeah. She's out and an acorn falls on her head and she looks up and she didn't see it, of course, because it fell on the ground, gravity. And she looks at him and says, the sky is falling. She starts running around, chicken little, the sky is falling. And other barnyard animals and the other geese and ducks and others start to fall in line with her. Yes, the sky is falling. They, be- they become panicking. And they're running around looking up in the air. And they don't realize that a red fox has seen them. And there's a couple different variants of the story. One is they get rescued. The other one is they get eaten. But the red fox... <laughs> comes and uses this while they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, ooh, another in one, um, to catch them, at least catch them in one story, they get um, you know, rescued, the other one, they get eaten. And the Chinese red dragon, they wanna rule the world, they don't fight fight fair. They're in desperate for, just for a couple instances, one is, is they, they agreed to allow Hong Kong to be free with the British when the British returned it over following their agreement on a 99 year lease. They, the British, of course, you know, are fair and on our contracts. The Chinese took it over. Oh, no, a couple of years out, we'll, we'll take it back. We're in charge and control now. That's one. The other one is in Australia. Some professors in Australia last year were saying, hey, we think the Wuhan virus came out of Wuhan and it may have been on purpose and so we need an investigation. China has something to do with it. China hmm. put, put a notice into the Australian government. Shut them up. And there are no bastions in their university system of freedom of speech, particularly on climate change. They have fired some professors who have spoken out and said, hey, the Great Barrier Reef really isn't in danger. It's really actually doing quite fine. Thank you. So they fired him. So they aren't bastions of of freedom of thought and speak there either. But the Australian government said, no, we aren't going to silence them. So the Chinese said no more coal from Australia. And they're sticking to that to this day, even though they're in desperate need of coal and energy, they will not import any from Australia.
0: A lot of their coal ships are just sitting in the ocean. They, they're not letting them come into China.
2: That, that's exactly correct. And others are being diverted to other countries and they're ramping up getting coal because China produces a lot of coal and China burns more than half of the 8 billion tons of coal used every year. Think about that if there are any lefties listening to this. And of course, they'd tune us out a long time ago because what we said just doesn't (laughs) agree with them. But people in the middle, think about this for just a a moment or two. How many wind turbines and solar panels would it take to replace 8 billion tons of coal? Just unbelievable amounts. Hundreds, millions of wind turbines and hundreds, if not multi-thousands of square miles of solar panels billions of solar panels as well. And they, both of those wind turbines and solar panels only where, they wear out after 20 years. Where mm-hmm. are all those spent things gonna go? It, it's, it's lunacy that they have figured, you know, let us down this path that somehow wind and solar can do this, and that's just coal. One part of the triumvirate of the 36 billion barrels of oil we use every year, and the 135 trillion cubic feet of natural gas And somehow we'll just replace all of this.
1: Right, Tom and uh, Frank, I have just set about to write a three-part series on wind because very few people in in this country understand the absurdity of wind. They actually think we get some energy from wind. The reality is we get zero energy from wind. There are 160,000 wind turbines around the country and they produce useless energy because every single kilowatt hour they produce has to be backed up by a fossil fuel plant at whatever electric utility owns those wind turbines. So the net contribution to America's energy is zero. That is a very hard concept to grasp, and I'm tackling it in a three-part series and, and it, it's a lot like climate change. Man has zero to do with altering the thermostat of planet Earth. Not a little bit, not a lot, but zero. And it's been hard to get that message out. Well, it's the same with wind. It's way worse than the average person understands. And uh, I am tackling it. And I, I think uh, I will make a difference. We're probably nearing the end of this segment, but the one thing I would like you to do when we come back, if it's a good time to break, is give your opinion of what the bottom line was for the absurd meeting in Glasgow Conference of over 20,000 low-level bureaucrats living high off the hog explaining how they want to divide up the spoils of developed countries. I think most people are aware it went on. I think few people understand the bottom line.
0: Yeah, well, we'll address that question right after the
1: break. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
4: Let's get real, let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, you know, I have to put a good word in for healthy cell. They have three lines of products that I've been using now for months. One is Immune Super Boost, which is a daily supplement designed to supercharge your immunity. And boy, do we need this now with COVID-19 and the revelation that the COVID-19 spike protein could be in our body for a year and a half after the illness or after vaccination. The next product is focus and memory. And again, this brain fog that happens in the long COVID syndrome and even occurs in the post-vaccination syndrome appears to be really calling for uh, a lot of the essential ingredients in the focus product for healthy cell. And then lastly, my favorite product is the sleep product, the REM sleep uh, healthy cell product has a wonderful blend of Uh, uh, combinations of key elements to restore normal sleep architecture. It's very important. It's different than getting uh, put to sleep or forced to sleep. Getting a healthy sleep and having normal sleep architecture is quality sleep. And when we have good quality sleep, we have lower stress hormones during the day. We feel better. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to bed tonight until I've taken my Healthy Cell REM sleep product. So go to HealthyCell.com and when you order, hit the promo box and type in "out loud." That will give you a twenty percent discount off the products. Uh, try them. Uh, try a box. Try all three, and do your own self-assessment. I know I've I've done it. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
1: Frank, I know you kept good tabs on the Committee of Parties number twenty-six in Glasgow, Scotland, last. Week where some 25,000 low level bureaucrats live high off the hog on the taxes of their poor country, mostly undeveloped countries, and they meet to try to divide up monies from the developed countries that are not forthcoming and theoretically say uh, these monies will be used to reduce carbon dioxide emissions, which has not happened in the earlier 25 conference of parties and isn't going to happen in COP 27 and 28. But I would love to hear your summary of the bottom line of that wasteful week.
2: COP26 is just really an interesting dance that they do. And you're absolutely right. With 400 jets flying in from around the world, people eating high off the hog, living well, and um, creating a huge, huge carbon footprint. And they do this now the 26th time. And you're absolutely correct. During this time, they were trying to extract promises. China and Russia, their leaders um, both said, ah, it's not worth my time. I'm not going. Why? Because both of them plan on growing their carbon footprint. China, by the way, emits more pollution into the air and carbon dioxide, and carbon dioxide is a life-giving material that's major plant food. Worldwide crop harvests are up by more than 33% in the last 40 years. There's more correspondence to, to crop harvest and increases in CO2 than there is anything to do with temperature whatsoever. So they didn't even bother showing up. India, while this went on, said, oh, you know, we can get to carbon neutral by 27, 2070, but we're building a whole lot of coal, coal plants, electric plants, and opening a lot of coal mines right now. And oh, by the way, you need to send us $1.3 trillion to help us do that somehow, the West. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it's just mind boggling. The Chinese piled on and said, yeah, you got to help our enemy India as well. You know, you should send them money. It, it's really interesting. And the, these other African nations are like, you know, we, they're, just, they're just asking for a paltry $100 billion. And our president, and he has to get Congress to go along with it, has said, yeah, yeah, we'll pony up our 11 billion. You know, under Obama, they promised to pony up money, and they just really haven't been doing it. Uh, meanwhile, we're not letting them finance. And the West is constricting and t- attempting to shut down oil, uh, new oil exploration and natural gas exploration in Africa and other poor countries uh, under the wrongheaded idea that them doing this to better their lives is somehow bad And you know, it's really economic imperialism of uh, this and it's really wrong. It's really, really wrong. They, They need to, and it hurts the environment because 2 billion people in the world, 2 billion people in the world have little or no electricity at all. And they want it, most of them want it. And they are burning wood, cutting down forests where protected animals live So they can cook their food and heat their house, or they're drying poo, dung, they're drying dung, and that's their major fuel source. And we don't want to let them even to go back to 1900 that we did in the West, where we switched from those two fuel sources to coal. That's what they want. And coal is found out throughout the world. It's plentiful, it's reliable, it's inexpensive. They want to do that. And right now there are about 200 coal plants being built around the world, outside of China. And China is financing 70 percent of them because we in the West are being stupid.
0: Wow. Wow. But, you know, it's interesting. There was an agreement that was arrived at concerning not funding coal stations in other countries. And it was interesting that China and Japan, I don't know why Japan, but China refused to agree with it. So this pledge, you know, it should have raised a big red flag. That the main producer of coal stations around the world won't sign an agreement limiting building coal stations around the world. Uh, You would think that would raise a red flag for people who actually thought it was an issue.
2: Well, and, and we know that China, you know, says one thing and does another thing. I really believe that China, through various methods and money, hidden money, are funding the great big green Goliaths or partially funding them. They're sending money to our leftist media to be more leftist because shutting down our energy supply is one of the best things that can happen to China. They become strong, we become weak. China produces 75% of the solar panels in the world and they use dirty coal to make them and they're very energy intensive and they use slave labor on top of it. They've got more than a million Uyghurs in prisons and they're using their labor and, and the Democrats now want to s- literally put five, 550 billion dollars into this. We're going to send hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money and electric ratepayers' money to China to buy solar panels and to buy the. They may produce the inner workings of the majority of wind towers, and they produce 75 percent of the batteries in the world, and they control 75 to 80 percent of all the rare earth minerals that go into them. They've cornered the market in this area and we're going to send them money and we're going to cut back on our own food. It's the craziest darn thing in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And it'll destroy the environment even more because of the way they make their wind and solar facilities.
2: Well, and not to mention the rare earth, you know, our lefties here don't want us to mine in our country. And we have the strictest environmental laws in the world. They'd rather us pollute the rest of the world and if they really cared about Mother Earth as a whole. And they're claiming they do, because but then they ignore the fact that you know, the non-Western world is growing their carbon footprint dramatically, and we're trying to shrink ours to nothing. It's really interesting. You know what? It's really like, Tom and Jay, it's, it's like someone who decides, and it's almost like this, they're going to go on a vegan diet. And before they line up any vegetables or plant their vegetable garden or have any idea where those vegetables are coming from, and most of them, what we just talked about using this as an analogy, are coming from China, but they start to constrict their, their, all the other food that they're eating. And they're just going to constrict it down and, and have no plan to get other food in its place.
0: Well, the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm's response was exactly that. I mean, what are you going to do to boost American oil? She talked about wind and solar, you know, so she's doing exactly what you said they shouldn't.
2: And she laughed at us and and she laughed about it. And Mm -hmm. wind and solar, folks, even if we really believed it could happen soon, it's multi years. They're, they're talking now the lefties in Congress at huge expense to us that they're going to build twenty or thirty thousand offshore. Think about it: when you go to the beach, and you know the Atlantic Beach, or you go to Florida, or you go to North Carolina, you go to the beach, and you're just going to see thousands of giant wind towers out there. They want to build all these things. You know, they're not going to be built next year in 2022. They won't be built in 2023. They won't be built in 2024. They won't be built until 25 or 26 or 27 if ever. So what are we going to do today, tomorrow, next week, and in 2022? Yeah, the
1: answer is to explain the stupidity of it. And a little different than you, I want to focus on your last few sentences. They aren't going to do it ever. It isn't going to happen. I think we need to reduce more fear. You feel that that fear is useful. And, and I'm not arguing that it isn't, it controls the world. But I wanna change the subject a bit. I know many of our listeners probably aren't young listeners, but many of them have young uh, children and they may see that those children uh, are impacted by young climate activists like Greta Thunberg. Uh, She does seem to get a lot of media attention I certainly don't understand it, but I'd like you to tell our audience, what do we do to counteract uh, the lies and uh, absurd scenarios that she paints for the press?
2: Well, I think one part is, and that's where my website comes in, there are other good sources, and it really is hard to get truthful sources because, for instance, and you listeners out there could... Google up or use DuckDuckGo because then they don't track you um, or some other, other uh, search engine. But if you, if you Google up uh, Antarctic ice, you would be led to believe because there are pages upon pages upon pages that our Antarctica is melting. And if you read those, it, you'll never get to the fact unless you know to put it in there. Antarctica hasn't warmed in 70 years. If you type that specific phrase in, you'll get some scientific articles that prove just that. I was surprised that the Seattle newspaper, a lefty newspaper, actually printed the fact that Antarctica has had the coldest uh, winter, their winter, our summer, the coldest winter since they started recording, I think, in 1957 or 1959, since the 50s. It's never been colder there. They're on a coldward trend. Ice expanse has grown more than it ever has. And the reason Google can mislead people so easy is there's a peninsula on this huge continent down there, all frozen in ice, a peninsula that has a whole bunch of undersea volcanoes that's warming the water underneath a peninsula that's melting some ice, and they'll make you think that Antarctica is melting, when in fact, it's freezing more than ever before and has a major ice extent, one of the most maximum it's ever had. So you know, getting good information is one part of this. The other is asking them questions I would suggest. And again, you have to get a little bit educated is you know what my questionnaire and, and you, you send it to me and I think that's part of what people can see below uh, this radio is what's the most important, most impactful, abundant greenhouse gas. That's not according to Frank Lisset or Jay Lair or Tom Harris, that's, that's according to NASA, the space agency. It's water vapor. Water vapor yeah. is 75 to 100 times more than carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Ask those young people who think they know it all if they could answer that question. And I usually give them choices and they're there. That's one. The other is, is do clouds warm the earth, cool the earth, do both or do neither? People don't even have the basic facts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can't even forecast clouds for the future, can they? I mean, it's, it's a huge unknown.
2: Well, and that's one of the major things. NASA, when they did Honest Science, and, and to their credit, it's still up if you search for it and find it, and I'll have to do some post on that now uh, since we've been talking about it. I think there is, and I know I have one on clouds, is that out we, as the earth warms up, as we've warmed up a little bit, warm air holds more moisture than cold air. So our world is a little bit warmer, not a lot, 1, 1. 1.6 degrees in 100 years, big deal, that's another choice of language they use. I'm sorry to digress just a little bit, but we talk about as if pre-industrial times were some wonderful time. The real, the real name for pre-industrial times were the Little Ice Age. So yeah. we've warmed up a couple degrees since the Little Ice Age. Thank goodness. Right. But clouds, because it's warmer, we have more moisture in the air. Now, the experts who are so smart thought more moisture would equal more cloud cover because when you have a lot more cloud cover, it reflects more of the sun's light. If you've ever been out Outside in a hot, sunny day and the clouds come in, you know it cools down because it reflects the sun's energy away from the earth. Then at <laughs> night, if you've ever been out in a nice, crisp, cool, sunny night and the cloud cover moves in and it warms up, it holds in the heat during the, during the night and reflects it away during the day. They thought because we had a moisture, more humid world, we'd have more cloud cover. And in fact, we have less, which contributes to just a little bit of warming. But the experts couldn't predict it and don't know it. And the climate models that fail so often don't take clouds into effect at all because they're unpredictable, those darn things.
0: But the science is settled. (laughs) No, I really encourage, especially young people who are doing science projects, go to Frank's website. It's truthinenergyandclimate.com. Truthinenergyandclimate.com. So write that down. It's it's an easy-to-use site, and it talks exactly about the things that Frank is mentioning.
1: I suggest on your website that you link to the relatively new paper that Will Happer has written pointing out doubling of carbon dioxide has little or no impact on the uh, temperature of the earth. I have a problem with hundreds and hundreds of scientists that totally agree that global warming, man-caused global warming, is the biggest fraud in history because they keep trying to generate some little number where man is responsible, a number, many zeros to the right of the decimal point, when that number does not matter. Every number the people on our side spend time trying to generate ends up defaulting to zero impact. And yet we don't hear it. So I'm afraid that we have so many allies that are not doing us any good because they spend too much time trying to find man's tiny impact when whatever it may be, it's irrelevant. And the only default number is zero. I actually don't know uh, anybody other than me that constantly write articles about zero. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe they don't want to be embarrassed by being wrong, but it's a fact.
2: Well, and Jay, you know, I I think that. It's great to have someone to the right of me. And I think you fulfill that role. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, So much of the climate change, global warming, you know, delusion and perpetuating that delusion. There's literally hundreds of billions of dollars that have been spent and are continuing to be spent on trying to prove that man-made global warming is a fact and we should do it. And it's, and, and so many of these papers all start with the premise that, that CO2 is it, man-caused it, and we just go on from there. And a great study that I'm surprised, truly surprised, that came out of Harvard, and that they let them do it, but it's a, it has an example contained within it, is a Harvard professor, and you can, you can Google this one up, Harvard Professor Wind Study, uh, wind, wind turbines, if we really wind turbine the United States to, to really make a significant difference, would increase temperatures about a, a four tenths of a degree, almost a half a degree Fahrenheit. And built into his article, he has to say, well, gee, we have to raise temperatures today to save temperatures a thousand years from now. You can't predict the weather 10 days from now, let alone a hundred years from now. What about a thousand years from now? It's the most ridiculous thing I've heard and they should be ridiculed. But the fact is, is in order to get his paper published, he had to put his disclaimer in there. Even the study that said that the, the Antarctica has not warmed in 70 years, had to put a disclaimer in there just so he could get published and said, Yeah, but there is man made global warming change, you know, and it's Antarctica, just an anomaly of it. I mean, it's ridiculous what they have to do, but otherwise they get completely censored and, you know, they don't get in invited to the cocktail parties and they'll never mm-hmm. get a promotion from any government agency.
0: One thing I've, I've always been interested in is what is the impact of a long term wind drought for all these countries in Europe <laughs> that are going so <laughs> odd wild? On wind power, I mean, surely they're going to be just left high and dry.
2: Well, I was just laughing like, like uh, Energy Secretary Granholm. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: Europe has had six months of a drought, and they've had several periods in the last couple months where they've had a wind drought for um, you know several days or even a week at a time. Um, they've had a sto- historical lows. Some have even attempted to blame this on climate change. So it makes weather worse and it makes it better. It makes wind more, it makes it less. Whatever it suits them, they make it up. But the fact is, is part of the reason we're having a worldwide shortage is is one is, is, we have not been investing in more exploration and more harvesting, and there are more people. As my grandfather used to say, God stopped making land a long time ago, but he didn't stop making people. We almost have eight billion people in the world. They need to be fed. They want better lives. And the best way to have better lives is to have energy. I like energy and people who don't have hot showers, most of them want it. Uh, People who don't have even a single light bulb in their, in their hut, They want it. And once they get a light bulb, they want a hot plate. They want more. And I don't blame them. I want them to have that. But that's what's going on in Europe because they've had to now turn to coal and they've turned to natural gas. In Europe, by the way, most of the countries, except for Norway, the wonderful green Norway, who's getting a huge chunk of their budget from harvesting uh, government-owned, socialist-owned oil. And they're actually a very capitalist country, by the way, but they own a bunch of oil. And they're going to continue harvesting it and producing it. But Germany has a lot of coal uh, and they have a lot of natural gas and they even have oil down deep under their country, but they prohibit themselves from harvesting it. So they have to buy it from the Russians. Um, <laughs> they have to fill in. They have their backfilling with coal and natural gas because they need it. And they're going to have one of the worst winters ever in the poor people. This is where we aren't talking about it enough. And we should be talking about is what about that 70 year old person on a fixed income? And now they're. Heating bill goes up by two, three, four hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and they're having that in Europe. They're going to freeze to death. They're going to have to move in with their kids if they're able to, or get together, or burn their furniture or something, but it, or hang out at the library all day while they turn their their temperature down. It's it's sad and it's wrong and it's unnecessary, and it's all built it's all built on this climate um, global warming delusion.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we have about 10 minutes to go, and I'm hoping we can address a totally new topic. In the COP26 conference, there was something called the Global Methane Pledge, which aims to reduce methane emissions by at least 30% below 2020 levels by 2030. On the surface, many people think this is a good idea. But Frank, what do you think of this?
2: What's the most important, most abundant greenhouse gas? Is it water vapor? Is it nitrogen, methane, or carbon dioxide? The vast majority of people will pick methane or carbon dioxide. Some will pick nitrogen, which as we know is is inert and it doesn't do anything in the climate. And the other three are all greenhouse gases. Uh, Water vapor makes up 30,000 to 40,000 parts per million of the atmosphere. Carbon dioxide makes up about 415. Methane makes up two, two, two. It's 200 times less in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide, which is 75 to hundred times less than water vapor. It is such a minor player in the big scope of things. It is ridiculous, but they've moved on to this because they can control farming. They can control cows. They can control ev- what we eat through regulating methane. And they have proposals out there for like, I just read one, for $1,300 or $1,500 a ton for methane. They are going to raise the cost of us buying and eating meat. They're after that too. Now, of course, if you're super wealthy, you don't care because you can just pay for it. But regular people, and particularly older folks on fixed incomes, they're going to take their wheat meat away from you too. And Mm -hmm. methane is a tiny part. The other part of foodstuffs is rice rice, which huge parts of the world rely on, creates a lot of methane, because after they harvest the rice um, kernels, uh, you know, the rice that we're used to, and then they let the rest of the plant rot. And that rotting is a natural source of methane and carbon dioxide, by the way, folks. So they're Mm going to get after that. And they're going to get after our meat eating. So they're they're after all of this, and then they're going to pretend that all these taxes and reductions and constrictions aren't going to cause lots of inflation. They're going to lie to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, also with the rice thing, aren't you inviting mass starvation in countries that rely on rice if you're going to try and knock 30% off the methane emissions?
2: You know, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's also why China and India will never sign on to it because they're the number one and number two. And then you got like Bangladesh and Indonesia are, are like the, the top producers of rice. And actually rice in the United States is our third largest grain crop after corn and wheat. Then it's rice. So we're pretty big rice growers and the state of Arkansas grows ha- almost half of all the rice grown in America. So mm-hmm. yes, you're going to starve people. And, you know, maybe, you know, being forced to be a vegan is, you know, maybe in our best interest in health, but I don't want to be forced by my government for goodness sakes. You know, you, well, we, we're gonna taste of that with COVID, but we don't have mm-hmm. an anti-obesity program. We don't have a manage your diabetes program. We don't have all these other things that people should have a bit of freedom on. It's unbelievable.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the reason they've moved
1: to methane, uh, it's just something new, you know, they, Started with global warming, then climate change. Uh, They keep moving the target uh, with a new fear. You described that earlier, Frank. They need to control people with fear. And I want to emphasize this is all about control. These people are evil. They want to control every aspect of every life, certainly in our country. And we voted them into office uh, happily we will vote them out of office, but the public needs to understand, every listener needs to understand their goal is, has nothing to do with science and has nothing to do with global warming, nothing to do with methane. It's all about controlling our lives. And generally, very powerful, rich people are behind it. And the Democratic Party has become entirely a Marxist party.
2: I, I think you have two parts. There are, there are those who know what they're doing, and then there are others who should be forgiven for they know not what they do.
0: Mm-hmm. That kind of brings up the other topic, and that is that America is making more and more policies based on how people feel, not real considerations. And I understand that's part of postmodernism, the whole woke approach to make things up basically to support your narrative and the facts don't matter. Can, can you say more about that?
2: Well, I, I often say that we, it feels as if, and it seems and empirically that we're living in a post-fact world where, where facts don't matter anymore. Feelings trump facts. And, and I love what Ben Shapiro says about it. Uh, ben Shapiro, you should tune in and listen to him, listeners, if you've never, never heard of him. But Ben Shapiro says, you know, facts don't care how you feel. And eventually facts slap you in the face. So these people who feel we should end fossil fuels and we should end them now, Greta Thunberg and others, uh, socialists and others, and we should do it now and then are faced with the fact that if you do that and they're trying to do it and they're looking at uh, appointing another uh, Bidenista who wants to bankrupt all the fossil fuel companies, as they attempt to do this, we are gonna have huge inflation, we are gonna have real economic problems And we will be transferring power and wealth to the red dragon, China, at the expense of all of us. So the facts are going to hit us in the face. And that's also why, Jay, I'm more optimistic than I was even a few months ago, because the facts are fast and loud and undeniable, unarguable, and difficult to ignore, because every time you fill up your gas pump, every time you buy some more eggs or bacon or Uh, oh, you're not supposed to eat those, some vegetables, um, you're going to notice the prices keep going up. And it's a direct result of the Democrats' policies and the other crazy policies going on, not just in America, but in Europe and in Canada and Australia.
1: I think we really have summarized the whole show. Uh, Frank, I wrote an article about you, Well, Tom, and I did it together. uh, And we called you truly one of the the great warriors for truth on energy and uh, climate. And you certainly showed yourself in this show to be exactly that the breadth of your knowledge and the fairness of your uh, opinions. We will fight over uh, my optimism and yours a little bit less and the fact that fear controls the world. But uh, once again, I want to leave our audience with the fact that this, uh, evil administration. I mean, you admit there are a lot of good people working with the wrong ideas, but they're not in the seat of power. They're not pulling the the strings of this terrible, terrible administration. And uh, I am totally convinced that they have, uh, but a year to go, uh, doing their evil deeds. And I think you will agree, the election in uh, Virginia a few days ago where we threw out a leftist governor for somebody that really cared about the children. Uh, I think this is the beginning of a sea change. I'm not telling people to be optimistic and ignore anything. I'm just feeling that the more optimistic you are, the more effective you are in educating your friends and neighbors.
2: I I suggest stay upbeat, folks, in in the... President Biden has said that the climate change is an existential threat. What's really an existential threat are the democratic policies are an existential threat to our freedom, our way of life, and the good things we enjoy, like hot showers and air conditioning and heat in the winter. And the other real, real on the horizon existential threat to America and our way of life are the communist Chinese the communist chinese are growing they're spending eight times more on fossil fuel development they're not stopping and they're wily competitors and we need to wake up and meet them because they will rule the world and it won't be pretty they have proven that and we should be afraid of them and you know the climate does what it does it warms it cools sometimes it's great sometimes it's not but that's been going on forever and having dictators like in China, communist China, have been going on forever, and they all want even more power. And I'm concerned that some of the proxies here in the United States are working with them, not openly, but behind the scenes, because these policies transfer policy and, um, power and wealth to China.
0: Well, that's a both a realistic and an optimistic way to end. So I really encourage people to do that, to actually talk to your friends and neighbors about the reality and to check out Frank's website, Truth in Energy and Climate at truthinenergyandclimate.com, for your ammunition when you're talking to your friends. So this is Tom Harrison, Dr. Jay Lair with our guest, Frank Lassay, one of America's true warriors in the fight for truth in climate and energy, signing out from the other side of the story.